Welcome to machine learning. So I've started uh, doing YouTubes on the uh, projects that I've created on my GitHub and uh, a lot of the content that uh, eventually, which I've been talking about on the podcast, you'll be able to look at examples over on GitHub. Um, so I'm going to put one up on PyTorch uh, using the C, uh, uh, convolution neural net uh, 1D to, tonight. So um, just if you're interested in looking at the source code on how to do some of this stuff, you can always go over to GitHub. Well, and, and, the, and this is what I kind of believe that the internet is going to be moving towards is, is uh, more, since more programmers or people are starting to understand Python, they're going to want to analyze the data themselves. And so they'll, they'll just take the raw data and then they'll do their visualization. Um, and then uh, they can even take uh, and build, you know, a correlation uh, matrix and put it in a heat map and, uh, and then set up their uh, deep learning PyTorch uh, neural net and see if they can make predictions based on correlations that uh, um, correlations that are found in the uh, in the data. So if they're looking at uh, like we were talking about with the stocks, where there's correlations maybe between different stocks uh, in terms of percent change, and so uh, by finding those correlations, then they can. Uh, feed those percent changes into the neural net and it could uh, make predictions on what the possible percent change might be for uh, the the stock depending on the uh, uh, the percent change of the other types of stock so Look at uh, possibilities of, of how those things uh, could be affecting the the overall stock uh, market uh, stock prices. Okay, so that's just something I've been thinking about. I might, might try that out. See if there's some correlation there. The other thing I was talking about yesterday was uh, increasing the analysis of the sell side. So we, uh, you know, right now I'm doing the, the analysis of the buy. But uh, in looking at the frequency of the sell to determine whether or not a stock is uh, highly speculative. So what we want is to have a buy and then a long period of hold and then a sell pattern. Uh, and, and not uh, you know, this frequent uh, profit taking uh, where, where people are trying to, to time the market. And also one of the things I've, I've also been starting to think about is uh, analyzing stocks from the terms of uh, their earning capacity. So, you know, like, uh, for example, if you look at uh, trust funds, there's some certain Canadian trust funds that are producing like 10% yields per year, um, nuclear power plants, and maybe some insurance companies, which have a high, high dividend payment. And, uh, and they're fairly frequent, so use, utilizing that to uh, then create a source of income might be 
uh, a, another uh, avenue of analysis. That's one I've been beginning to think of because, you know, I've studied uh, how money works and I, and I have a pretty good idea. And uh, one of the things that you always want to return to when you're dealing with stocks is earnings because the earnings uh, have the, the power, stay power to keep, uh, keep you in the uh, profit zone. So if, if a company isn't producing earnings, uh, well, and so here's two thoughts on earnings. One, you can, you can pay it back to the shareholders as a form of income for them. Uh, and that income then is a incentive for them to continue to invest in your company. The second uh, idea is that they take the earnings and then they reinvest it back into the company for uh, faster growth. So they want to get more market share, faster growth, and they're getting this uh, this rapid appreciation of wealth. And so uh, there, there might be that aspect uh, in the uh, um, earnings. And so the other thing too is you could take your current value and then you could calculate the future value of your money and so you say okay based on these earnings what would be my future value of money in five years uh, and then you take the difference and that becomes your incentive to to do the investment so if you can't beat the 10-year bond uh, then you would you would put your money in your 10-year bond if you can get a better return than the 10-year money uh, bond based on uh, your uh, uh, future value of money, then uh, you would invest it into the stock without well, producing the dividend. And that might be a smart way to go because then you're, you know, if you're, if you have a million dollars, you don't want to lose your million dollars. Uh, so then you're, you're really, what you're looking for is an income stream that's relatively safe. Now, a lot of people have gone and moved to uh, real estate ifties. Um, I, I, it's not a real physical asset, just like a stock is uh, just a, a certificate of ownership, a percentage ownership in the company. But you don't, you don't go and uh, pick up equipment when the company liquidates. You know, there's a certain order to who gets the money if a company liquidates. So uh, you don't physically own the company. And the same thing with uh, um, our REITs, you don't, you don't physically own that real estate. <clears throat> so that's one reason I don't like uh, uh, RITs is that you don't own that real estate. Uh, I would rather have physical ownership of the, the property so that if I wanted to sell it, I could just sell it. I don't want to share in an ownership of property. because an REIT is a derivative, and I tried to stay away from derivatives. I call them uh, like Warren Buffett. I think they're uh, financial weapons of mass destruction is what he called it. And so keeping away with from RIT, REITs, I think is a smart move. All right, so on the horizon, I wanna talk about um, a company called Matrioid. And Matroid, uh, what they do is it's kind of interesting. They have different data sets of images, and uh, they've trained these uh, neural nets through transfer learning. 
uh, how to recognize objects. And then they built a system which is basically a non-programmable system where you can, uh, you can associate different classifiers that are watching for uh, different types of objects uh, to, to a certain input stream. So the input stream, I think I've talked about this, but the in input stream can be from images that you're uploading, uh, from the camera, and from an IoT uh, real-time feed. And it's then uh, processing on the cloud these images and then uh, looking for uh, confidence intervals. And if it gets a certain, within a certain confidence of identifying a particular image, then it will have an action. Like maybe it'll uh, post that event in a calendar so you can see, you know, for the day at what time the neural net um, identified that particular object. And so the reason why this could be very useful is let's say like if you were um, analyzing the poultry industry, for example, and uh, you're looking for disease in among the chickens, like if there are certain, uh, certain disease attributes. So you can train the neural net on different attributes of diseases that are associated with, uh, um, with the poultry industry and then if the neural net identifies any chickens with certain particular diseases or attributes then it notifies you and uh, you can Im immediately go to um, the uh, uh, area and then remove those chickens so they don't uh, maybe the disease can, can contaminate the group and it could kill off the large percentage of the group so you want to you want to make sure uh, you know that those those diseases are contained and then uh, maybe there's some practices that are uh, need to be improved to reduce down uh, the possibility of disease. Okay, so that's one area. Another area that I think that uh, could be used with the um, the matroid it is the in the area of multi-classification per image. So, uh, for example, let's say that you're analyzing uh, sugar beets, for example. Let's let's pick on them. And, uh, you know, there's different uh, insecticides, funguses, um, things that can adversely affect a crop. And, you know, you take the drone and it's taking pictures. It's flying over different sectors of uh, your field and it's taking pictures and feeding that up to uh, Matrioid. And Matrioid is then looking through those images for particular types of fungus, uh, it's uh, looking for um, insect count. Maybe it can count the number of insects. Uh, like it could, it could do images scans of uh, a particular sector of the field and thoroughly scan as it flies over, uh, taking you know let's say thousands of pictures in this one sector of the field, and then it's uploading it to the. Um, uh, cloud and the cloud and in the cloud the Metroid deep learning network is is analyzing and identifying uh, insect counts so we could uh, maybe count the number of of uh, certain type of larva maybe that it's discovering on the leaves and so you get an idea of the population of insects in that sector and that could be uh, something that you use as a, uh, a decide a, a uh, decision maker to uh, 
uh, have that field sprayed for that particular pest. Okay. Um, another one could be in terms of fertilizer. You're looking, you know, you're watching on a time series, and uh, maybe you're trying to get the proper balance of the fertilizer so you're getting maximum yields and growth um, on the on the um, on the the um, um, on the crop itself. So. You know, those are some of those things that uh, you have to you have to consider. Um, well, okay, so another one could be in the area of security. Let's say you have people, you you have facilities, and then you have uh, drones or you have cameras positioned in different places, and then you want to uh, set that up so that uh, um, that the camera identifies any particular type of behavior. Maybe on the work site, for example, you're looking at uh, individuals, you're looking for ladders, cords, uh, things that you know could cause injury, and the, um, the neural net is analyzing the, um, is analyzing the data to look for particular types of uh, equipment like maybe a ladder uh, in, that uh, is not secured or, or a person that just does, is working in a area where there could be a cave-in where um, they're not in a steel box or something like that or um, things that are, could potentially fall in and hit a, a person. So there's a lot of safety concerns and it could be trained on on things that uh, are not uh, uh, allowed, it could be uh, unsafe uh, objects in relationship to other objects, and then it could be fed into the net, and uh, these images could be uh, constantly be fed to the neural net, and then when it identifies a certain relationship of the objects, then it would uh, send a notification to the safety manager and then that safety manager would uh, uh, be able to uh, contact uh, uh, go out to this, that particular site or, or look for that particular event to uh, fix the problem. So anyway those are some of the things I think that could uh, be of interest um, for uh, the use of of uh, image recognition. The other is could be in manufacturing. You know, you're, it uh, is processing through the plant. Maybe it's looking for uh, defects, and you know, you look at what, you know what would uh, be trained as a defect, and then uh, uh, that could be something that um, uh, it uh, uses to identify those particular types of uh, uh, events and so that could be fed directly into the net and then used to classify and do occurrences. So anything that uh, has a variance that you can you want to identify something that's different or comparative in the image processing you could you could definitely use uh, through the uh, deep learning network. Now, the thing that you could do this all on your own with uh, convolution neural nets, and you could, you could write the, 
Python code that does all this work. But the uh, the thing is, is it uh, uh, will be require a data scientist and, and programmer to set all this up, and it uh, and you have the issue of you know of scalability, whereas uh, if you have kind of like out of the box, you just connect up your devices, you create your data feeds, and then you, you have kind of a workflow that you're, um, you define, and then through that workflow, you're feeding that into, uh, into the deep uh, network, and then the deep network is, is uh, running for classification. So it's kind of like self-driving cars, is it? Is that uh, you know it works that way? One one of the things I, I noticed with self-driving cars with China is, and they had like the China's bus, autonomous bus, and the bus uh, required a bus driver, and so I you know my my thought on that is you know uh, you need to have the uh, autonomous algorithm being able to work in the most severe conditions, and so I was looking at some of the Tesla webcams where they weren't watching what they were doing. And uh, you know they were distracted, and and they were do, driving at the same time, and there was these accidents. But the Tesla could uh, somehow, with the neural net, it could detect that the event was going to happen, and maybe it could it, because it was processing, scanning so fast that it it, it was actually almost seemed superhuman uh, the feats that it could do because it avoided uh, some of the accidents by uh, properly calculating where. Uh, cars and events were going to be in, and, and it was able to swerve out of the way or stop the car or avoid the collisions. And uh, it, it is really impressive. And then there's other vehicles uh, like uh, Zoo X that have, you know, a perception um, pathway analysis that is really good. Uh, and so I think that, you know, the mistake was is to believing that the uh, the autonomous vehicles are not capable of, of extreme conditions that maybe even human beings couldn't even do. So once the self-driving cars can do things that human beings can't do, I think that's when you're going to see the adoption.